0: Welcome to Rising Tide, a podcast for career-driven women to find inspiration, find courage, and find their voice. On today's episode, I'm joined by Ashley Francis. Every single
1: job, every single position, there's some sort
0: of lesson to be learned
1: or meaning behind it, whether it's you hate it or you love it. One day you realize why it was in your life.
0: After over 10 years of a successful sales career in the medical industry, Ashley finally listened to her entrepreneurial spirit. Leveraging her work ethic, consulting expertise and competitive mindset, she opened an indoor cycling and strength studio called Turn where she's developed and built a brand that embodies community from the ground up and create a home away from home for all. Ashley is a remarkable woman. She is incredibly confident And she's leveraged that confidence to help her find success through many trials and tribulations. On this episode, we talk about her sales career, the tipping point or period of time tipping point that led to her deciding to do something bold and launch Turn. She shares with us the entrepreneur journey going from a year to get the company open to surviving in their first year, open as a business, then to dealing with COVID as a fitness boutique that was forced to shut down. We have so many great things that we discuss on this episode. I know you're just gonna love her energy, her intensity, and you'll feel how deeply she cares about her team, her company, and the community that she supports. Enjoy. Welcome to Rising Tide, Ashley. Thank you so much. How are you today, Margaret? I am good, and I am so excited. This is like worlds colliding for me of getting to talk to somebody who you have a background in sales like I do. You've made a major career change. You are in the fitness industry, which I'm super passionate about, and you're here in Atlanta at the gym that I love going to, (laughs) so I am so excited for today because I feel very fortunate that I can do this. Same. Me too. So and um, I love
1: that you love Turn or my yeah. studio.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, so what's really interesting, and I, I want people to know this is that Turn is this amazing fitness boutique in Atlanta. And what really triggered me to reach out and ask to like have this conversation is it is a very special community. And that's not always common, even for fitness boutiques that pride themselves on having community, like there is actually a different energy. There's a genuine connection. And so it said a lot about the intentionality of the person running the show and how you were creating it. And so I am so excited to just get more oriented with your background, hear your story, and even just how you approach your business, because it's been very successful. Yeah. Thank you. Yay. Well, um, we'll we'll get to turn because there's so many things we can talk about. (laughs) But before that, this was, I mean, up until 2017, your career was in sales. Correct. Yeah. And then, so now sales is always a funny thing that how people got into it. Was that something that you always knew you were going to do? Yeah. So
1: I have an older brother. And when I was at, I went to Clemson University and he was three years older than me. And so when he graduated, he went straight into pharmaceutical sales, and I just kind of followed suit. Mentally, I, I knew that I wanted to be in sales, and then at that time, gosh, the early two thousands, medical sales and pharma sales was just the hot ticket. And my my dad is also a successful businessman, entrepreneur, salesman, and so I think it's just probably in the blood. I knew that my energy was not fit for an 9 to 5 office job. And so that's how I got into sales or that's how I started, you know, looking for sales jobs.
0: Okay. So a couple of follow-up questions for you. Sure. That last comment you made, you knew your energy wasn't fit for 9 to 5. Tell me more about that. Like how what was it that you you kind of pinpointed? Yeah. I think if I look back at my life from
1: the mountaintop today looking back, my energy has always just been super high in all aspects of my life, whether it was in sports, whether it's friends, sitting in a classroom, it was not my strength. And so I think it just kind of probably stemmed from there, right? Where I realized that, you know, my attention span is not built for just sitting and learning or sitting and listening for a long period of time. And I love people. I love talking to strangers. I love the challenge that people bring. And ultimately, I love the challenge of being told no and then changing that into a yes some way, right, Uh, which is how to be successful in sales, essentially. So I think just overall, in every aspect of my life, my energy is just so high that I realized that I needed to be on the move, on the go, challenged in all areas in
0: that way. Right. Well, and I love that because what it sounds like is you recognized for you environments that just didn't align with what made you special. And so like you saw that as an opportunity to go find something where I think sometimes we can get tripped up of like somehow thinking maybe we, there's something wrong with us because we don't fit into a certain thing. So I, I love that. And then you kind of touched on it. So I think you may have already answered it, but you know, you mentioned loving a challenge and get talking to people and you know turning a no into a yes. Was there anything else when you said you like were really attracted to sales that like it stood out of your like this is how I know I would really enjoy sales?
1: And uh, the money. I mean, right. yeah, the money is really good if you're good um and if you're right. at the right company. I love making money, I love being challenged in that commission structure. And also just the recognition. So every time I would do an interview in medical sales, you know, they always ask you what motivates you or what inspires you. My top two answers are always money and recognition and that's it. Right.
0: Right. Which is always a really exciting answer to get from a salesperson. That's like, (laughs) (laughs) right. That's what you want. So yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then, Graduated from Clemson and immediately went to go work for Ferguson Enterprises. So now this wasn't, (laughs) this one originally was not medical sales, was it?
1: No, it's the opposite. It's a construction slash building supply company. Basically, I got recruited heavily from the company out of Clemson and I got to move to Charlotte for a year. And it was the typical first time out of college job. You had to work from the ground up, literally in the warehouse with my steel toed boots on pulling orders. And I was in quote unquote, inside sales rep. And the thing about that job is their management training program was so strong and it was recognized so incredibly well throughout probably the world, but the country through all other companies. And it was just a great starting point. Not I'd be lying to say, you know, every day I hated it. It was not what I wanted to do. It wasn't the pharmaceutical outside sales job that my brother had right out of the gate you had to work 50 hours a week to make $38,500 a year. And you had to like clock in, but you know, so even though I hated it looking back and it was such a strong interview resume builder, because it taught me so many things. It taught me what I don't like, Mm. but no, it was not medical sales, but I guarantee you it's, it is the catalyst to my successful medical sales career, hands down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you took away from that experience? Whether it was things that you learned that you didn't like, or, you know, just things, skills that you acquired because of it.
1: Yeah. The famous quote that I think if you're a sales rep, you hear a lot carrying the bag, your manager never carried the bag. So they don't get what you're going through at Ferguson. I literally did every role. So I learned the stress or the pain or the frustration in the warehouse. I learned the data put you know entering in the orders and then I got to ride along with the outside sales rep so you literally get a bird's eye view of every scope of the job that makes you successful on the outside and what it taught me is you know never take for granted your inside sales worker have the mm. the best relationship with them because if you treat them well then they're always going to have your back and do whatever it takes to help you you know at the end of the month get that one more extra sale to meet your quota or whatever it is, right? And you just learn so much, you gain so much respect from all aspects of the job. And I, I literally lasted one year. So I never even made it to the outside sales position. I, I literally started August 14th and my last day was the following August 14th. And because my dad said, you know, you can't quit within a year because you had to have one year of experience on your resume, right? And so I <laughs> I did, that's right, right,
0: right. Within <laughs> within days. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but then, like, great that you landed a job at Blue Medical Supply, which is fantastic with getting you into more of a role that you wanted. But this was a hundred percent commission.
1: Yeah, well, it was salary. Pl- it was you did get a guarantee, but if you made okay. over the guarantee, it, would, it turned into straight commission. Got it. So my first medical sales job was with a startup company. And it was very interesting because it was just out of the owner's home in Ponte Vedra, Florida, that we did our training. And, you know, we could sell any and everything that the doctor's office had, but more importantly, the the lesson I learned from that company is just the hard work of a startup. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. you make a lot of mistakes, but you can also do a lot of things that the big corporate American companies couldn't do because you're like a mom and pop store at that point. And, it was definitely a challenge, but it also, you know, I quickly outgrew that company. So it gave me even more confidence in myself as a sales rep and put me to the next chapter of that better company because I was, it was easier for me to shine in a small startup than going to a huge corporation where you're just, you know, whatever needle in the haystack or whatever you want to say. And you're nobody at that point. So every single job, every single position there's some sort of lesson to be learned or meaning behind it whether it's you hate it or you love it one day you realize why it was in your life I feel like.
0: Totally well and that's what's so that's what's so fun is like when you have the opportunity for hindsight I mean I think we're already getting a flavor of these experiences that you've had that helped you with your future sales career, but then also, again, like they apply now in the work that you're doing. I mean, you've, you've been part of a startup already, you know, before turn ever came, was even a a glimmer in your eye. And so let me ask you this. How did you even discover Blue Medical?
1: Oh God. Um, shoot, maybe like career builder or (laughs) one of those websites. I don't know. I'm 36. So I was what, 24 at the time. So 12 years ago, I guess. And you moved and from I think- Charlotte to Florida. And I moved from Charlotte to Atlanta. And okay. there, the company was based out of Florida. And that's where the headquarters were. So we went down there for two weeks, had to share a hotel room with a stranger in your sales class. So as a, you know, new new adult, here I am sharing with an older woman, which it was fine, but I'm sure for her it was very awkward. <laughs> you know, two weeks at this guy's house and just trained and role practiced and you know, did the whole nine yards there. So. Oh my gosh.
0: Well, and you know, something that it was interesting that kind of jumped out that we, we talked about as we were preparing for this is like, it seemed like roughly every two to two and a half years you would transition <laughs> to a new role. And I asked you like, was that normal? And you said, no, but I was really intrigued by kind of what was the driver for you. So we'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, cause that was just about every couple of years, it was like, you would move on to a, a new role, a new company, a different opportunity. Yeah, I don't even know if I lasted two two and a half years often, but
1: I appreciate that leniency there. You know, I think in my career as a sales consultant or sales rep, whatever you want to call it, I always wanted more, 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 more. And when you dangle a carrot in front of somebody and you get that big ass commission check and then, you know, a couple months keep going by and you're realizing that there's no more growth to be had or the company is not willing to allow you to grow, you know, whether the plan is set up that way or or whatever, you know, I just kept looking or seeking new opportunity. And in my mind, it was me somewhat climbing, quote unquote, the corporate ladder that Mm. some people do in one company. But for me, it just happened to be jumping from one company to the next because I always increased my pay in my opportunity or my, you know, my ability to grow every single job. And I never stayed in the same arena in the medical sales. I always went to a completely different, whether it was department or, uh, you know, product or out of the OR into the surgery centers or private practice. And then my last job I landed was in hearing aids. So that was completely different too. And, And it is in my life today. I'm never content or I think complacent or satisfied with where I'm at. Professionally wise and financially wise today.
0: So okay, so a couple of things here. So this is a really interesting thing, and i've I've been asked this question before, and I'm sure you would get asked this question of, you know, you mentioned with changing companies, like every time it helps you advance your career, or right? You could earn more, your earning potential, and that was a big driver for leaving, is that you would get capped or kind of like stuck, like you hit a ceiling, which horrible thing as a high performer. If you were going to give somebody Advice that is trying to figure out, like, they want to move up in their career. Like, do you have a? I mean, obviously, you have your experience and you made the choice to move on. How do you know that you need to go to grow versus potentially you could Mm. stay to advance? Great question.
1: You know, I think it boils down to something I'm very compassionate about here is communication. Straight out of the gates, I don't even like to talk about the interview if you talk about it in the interview, because interviews, I'm going to be very blunt here, but they're all fluff, right? The com- You tell the company you're way better than you are, and the company gives you this golden ticket about your future. I mean, there's some truth in the middle of that conversation, but I think where the true opportunity of communication is, you know, after you land your ground and understand your position and your role at the company, and if it's a good fit for you, you're liking it and you like the product, you believe in your position, all that good stuff, have the open-ended conversation with your manager and if it's a small enough company, you know, the vice president of sales or or whatever about your opportunity at that company, mm. you know, here's where I'm at today. I understand that tomorrow may not be physically tomorrow or a year could be five years down the road, but if I put in the work, is there room to grow? You know, if I put in the work and I meet my quota, is there an opportunity to continue to meet my quota? Now, every company is always going to I mean, there's some people that could listen to this and say, yeah, double your quota the next year and it sucks or whatever, right? I mean, we all get that in, in the sales world. But, you know, is there management growth? Is if that's what you want to do. I never wanted to grow in, as a manager. I always wanted to be given more opportunity as a rep because, in my experience, the reps had the opportunity to make more money and I didn't want all the busy work or paperwork. Again, I don't want to sit in an office. I want to be out and about moving, you know, so I think communication. And I think you also have to trust your gut. That's a whole, I mean, it's easy for me to say, but I think a lot of people get that gut feeling that they're not meant to be at that company or, you know, they quit ignoring the red flags or mm. whatever. They're, if you're constantly bitching and complaining about something, there's another company out there that might just be a better fit and turns out maybe they make better, you make better money there, you know, you can sell anything if you're good. But if you're really passionate about it and you really believe in the company and you really respect the company and the product, God, you're going to make so much more money and be so much better at your position. Right. So right. that would I mean, be my advice. Yeah.
0: I love that. And I, you know, I think what I, what's so great about it is like the being proactive and having the conversation and, and making it known what you're looking for. Did you ever like, was there a timing to it? You know, was there a time that you intentionally chose to do it? No, I mean, you know, I think it all just kind of happened the way it was supposed
1: to. The second medical sales company found me and reached out to me and it was just kind of like a blessing. And then after that company, the next company was just like thrown at me in my face. I I don't know. I think it was just timing and all a bigger plan for today. And I just kind of went with it. I never once went into a company and said, okay, I'm going to be here for one year. Okay. I'm going to be here for five or okay. I think at the end of the day, if I was happy and I was making good money and I wasn't, and I was motivated to get out of bed because as you know, as a sales rep, you don't have an office and you definitely don't have coworkers in your facility. You know, it's just you and your home base and your car. So I think as long as I was staying motivated, I just kind of went with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a big believer that, you know, everything is the way it's supposed to be. And there's, and God has a plan for you. And, you know, I might've been complaining about it every single day when I was at a company, but I was there for the right time that I was supposed to be there.
0: Right. Right. So, You know, there was something else that you mentioned about, like all of your different experiences that you changed industries quite a bit and what you were selling and who you were selling to. And again, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that can be really intimidating because you're on a learning curve for a new industry. You kind of don't know what you don't know. So I'm curious for you, like what allows you to like, kind of, I think have the confidence that you're like, I can learn that I can figure that out. Like that doesn't hold you back from saying yes.
1: Yeah. That's a great question. I think The easy answer, and if anybody was listening that knows me as a person would probably say, I am a confident human being. I care so much about not failing that I would go all in. And I didn't even think about being scared or taking on a new challenge. It excited me. It would be the opposite. I mean, learning a new product, getting to talk on, you know, cardiologists as opposed to OBGYNs or whatever, right. I would get more excited in the opportunity and the challenge because I work best under pressure, under stress. When I think I'm going to quote, the world is against me type mentality, meaning like it's a brand new day. It's a brand new company. I have to prove everything. Yeah. I've, I'm fueled up. I mean, I'm even fired up just talking about it. I have just never been one to doubt my own ability to go sell or to be successful at a company. And I think I'm so much, like I said, at the beginning, I, I fear failure so much that I'm not ever going to let it happen.
0: Right. That's really interesting. Is there ever a time where you feel like that has happened? Have I failed? Yeah, Yeah. of course. I would say I've failed.
1: um, I mean, I've failed a lot on a smaller scale, right? Like there've been plenty of days where I failed at a task or made many mistakes or failed at getting this conversation, you know, contract signed or a deal done. Or in fact, in my last company, I was close to making president's club and on stage and nobody in my, nobody in the history of the company had ever done it with the territory I'd been at for the last year. And I missed it by like, in a grand scheme of things, not pennies, but almost pennies. And I broke when they didn't call my name to go up on that stage. I felt like the biggest piece of, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, but shit. Um, (laughs) you know, I felt like I was so embarrassed and my all everybody was so proud of me and what I'd done with that territory. Mm -hmm. But for me, I literally got up and went to my hotel room and looking back, I'm like, what a loser you were because I couldn't handle losing and I couldn't handle the Mm -hmm. failure of not getting on stage. But in hindsight, looking back, I mean, I was kicking ass and doing great things for that territory. So yes, of course, I would be lying to say I never fail. I fail all the time. I just not on a grand scheme of things, do I let myself fail Right, as in the studio that I'm sitting in right now, you know, but we'll get there.
0: Right. Well, and so it's really interesting. Cause you mentioned that earlier too, about never being content and, you know, even like being like having a really high bar, really high expectations. Like I would imagine there are times where like, that can be very, like, it's an incredible superpower, but it can also like work against you. How do you balance that intensity and that passion with like I think acknowledging your accomplishments, right? And actually giving yourself credit for like a great job done.
1: I've gone to a lot of counseling and
0: therapy work.
1: (laughs) Um spent a lot of money in that. No. Um (laughs) no, but it's been, I mean it's my greatest strength, but it's also a big weakness of mine because I've spent a lot of my adulthood and career putting so much pressure on myself that I probably didn't you know, either enjoy it when I should have or pushed away some sort of relationship because of it. Or God, if you could be in my head during certain competitions or sales calls or days, whatever, you would be like, you need to chill out and relax. And, but for me, it's all I know and it's how I operate. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and say, I'm, I wish I would have like celebrated myself more because that's just not me. The way I celebrate is if other people, my success around me and are growing and are successful in their own way. Meaning, in my sales career, if I was successful, then my inside sales rep was my nurse or my tech, whatever you wanted to call it at the company. Then that means that person was successful, my manager was successful, my team was great. You know, that's what really gets me excited or high or whatever in that role. But I don't think I'll ever live a day in my life where I don't put pressure on myself or expect way unexpected things. I've worked <laughs> on it. I've become a lot better. Um, if you could see me on the tennis court in my twenties, I played a bunch of tennis. I was a great tennis player. I was terrible as a mental player, If I yeah. had one bad shot, Margaret, I acted like the world was over and I threw my racket. It was crazy, but I've gotten better. And that's why, you know,
0: you grow up. It's all maturity levels too, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Cause I think it's it's an interesting balance, right? Because again, to your point, it's it's such a strength, and it has been such a fuel for you, mm-hmm. and it has led to some incredible accomplishments, you know. But over-indexing on our strengths often often results in weakness, and so I think it's really great because it's like it's a journey to find the line of like where's the optimization of the strength where it doesn't compromise or sacrifice other things. So okay, so we we're roughly 11 years into your sales career um, when, when turn comes to be. And I'm really intrigued. At when, when did you start to realize that maybe sales was no longer the path for you? I'm going
1: to say something and then I'll answer that question. Turn still is sales for me. So it's still a path of sales. And I don't mean to, I'm not <laughs> correcting you. I'm just saying I'll, all day, every day I sell turn to new clients. But with that being said, you know, I think, um, so I moved out to San Diego right before I turned 30 years old. I just, I was over Atlanta. I was over my on and off again, ex-boyfriend, and I just needed a fresh start. You know, in my mind, I was extremely successful. I had a ton of money and I was still so unhappy. Something was still not being fulfilled. And so, you know, at third, you can imagine all the weddings I'd already been to. I was, the single one, always the bridesmaid, whatever. So I moved out to San Diego on a whim, uh, didn't know anybody and started my job out there. An awesome, awesome, awesome company, had a great leader, had great leadership. And after two years of doing that, I still found myself extremely unhappy. I was making more money and I, you know, sunsets and sunrises were every day out there and At the end of the day, I realized that something was so missing in my life and I couldn't pinpoint it until finally I woke up and I was like, oh, you're so over corporate America. All I do is bitch and complain about conference calls or I want to be a leader so bad, but that wasn't it. And so I said, I wanted to start my own company. I don't really know how, when, why, what an indoor cycling studio. I've always been big into fitness. I love working out. I uh, love spin class. I had a Peloton for 2 years in my garage in San Diego. And out west boutique fitness is everywhere, right? It is like Starbucks are here finally or or whatever, not finally, but you know, every corner there it was an indoor cycling studio, a yoga studio, a CrossFit, a this, a that, whatever. And 4 years ago, Atlanta hadn't even been touched with boutique fitness the way it's growing and the way it can be. And my parents were separated going through a divorce and I missed my nieces, college football fan, diehard at heart and out West, that was like not a thing. And so for six months, I made sure I like, you know, woke up and said, if I lost all the money in my bank account, but enough just to survive, will I be okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm very frugal. So I've saved a lot of money. And so for six months, I made myself mentally say yes to that question. Every morning I woke up. And I was doing my planning for turn. I didn't know it was going to be called turn at the time, right? But I would drink a bottle of wine with a girlfriend and we'd sit at my table and we'd be like, oh, we need to do this and we need to do that or how cool would it be that, whatever. And then the best part about living on the West at the time is, you know, I'm making my sales calls because I'm still working, right? But I'm hopping into every studio I can get into. And I would literally, and I told you this in our pre-call, but I had this little notebook that I pulled into a parking lot Walked into the class, took the class, left the class, went to the locker rooms, whatever. And I would write in this notebook every single feeling I had from the moment I got in the parking lot to the moment I got back in my car. And that was such a huge catalyst for the success of TURN because I took everything I hated, everything I loved, and the experience that I got to have as a small business owner traveling and getting that raw research, you know, was just so important at the time. And so, yeah, I. Bought a one-way ticket on July 9th, 2017. By the grace of God, I found a consultant and she just happened to have four silent investors that were looking for a fifth managing partner that wanted to invest and run the studio. And so I believe in Godwinks. I believe in, you know, again, I believe in the plan. And um, I landed And the first, I took the red eye home, got in the rental car and drove straight to the gravel site of Sandy Springs and met these investors. For the first time. And that's how it all began.
0: What I think is really neat here is like, it wasn't like, there was just this one day where you woke up or like, I know what I'm going to do with my life. yeah. And I, yeah. I, I don't think it ever happens that way. We wanted to, but it never does where it's like, it sounds like it was, it started with a, this has been years now. Like I'm at a great company and I have great leadership and yet I'm still not happy. Like mm-hmm. if this isn't for me, then, then this there it probably isn't for me, right? Like, and so it starts there, and then, you know, your passion for fitness and just kind of tuning in and playing around with that, and knowing knowing that there maybe you saw an opportunity, but just allowed yourself to dream with it. And so, I think that's a really great kind of helping us understand the evolution of like it wasn't just one day you woke up and were like, I'm going to do this.
1: Yeah. No. And I don't suggest that to any to anybody <laughs> looking to quit or become an entrepreneur and i'll add to that really quickly that at my memberships when i was just a client or a, you know a membership at a gym i was always the leader the motivator the person that was encouraging the class not as the coach or anything but again i'm energetic i'm loud i knew that there was some sort of leader mm. bigger and better inside of me that needed to be exposed And so that partnered with me loving fitness and again, changing people's lives and helping them was a perfect recipe for, you know, boutique fitness, indoor cycling, dancing on a bike, loud, loud, loud music and energy and lights and all that. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: And then just real quick. So how did you get connected to the consultant?
1: Yeah, so amongst my journey in San Diego and I went to the studio out there, I asked the owner of Pure Studio, Maria, if I could just take her to coffee, if she'd meet with me and chat. And by the kindness of her heart, she did. She didn't know me from Adam. And she just told me that she had this consultant, Barbara, and that there was a podcast that I should listen to along the way as well. And so, of course, the moment I got in my car, this podcast has like hundreds of episodes, right? And they're not in order. And I just picked one at random. And I shit you not. It was an interview with Barbara, the consultant. And she (laughs) on this like worldwide podcast or whatever about indoor cycling or cycling. And so I was like, okay, I hear you. Another God wink. And so I emailed this woman on a Sunday. And again, I wasn't expecting anything because she doesn't know who I am. And I'm thinking this like woman is you know, all around, the she's opened studios all around the world. And why would she email me back And within 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. email me back and said, Oh my God, I've been waiting for an email from a person like you. And I had the perfect opportunity. And I don't even know what I said on that email. Either I'm like the best writer or she just heard my soul or something because to write me back and say she had the perfect opportunity in Atlanta and Sandy Springs. I was like, cause I always thought I was going to go downtown Roswell at first before mm-hmm. I had no investors or no consultant. And Sandy Springs is literally just a hop, skip and jump over. Right. And so it was like, wow, this is like, am I like being punked right now? I kept looking around, you know, like, why is this happening? This is great. And so one thing just led to the other and that's how I found the consultant and the investors.
0: Yeah. That's I'm so glad you shared that because what's really cool about it is again, it's, it's like a series of events that led Mm -hmm. to getting connected to Barbara. It wasn't necessarily your first move. And, you know, I think so much about like practical takeaways for people listening. And like, if you're thinking about exploring something, like all you did was ask someone to coffee. Yeah. Right. It started with a conversation. You were proactive and she said, yes. And then it, it led to that. And I think that's, that's the thing of like not trying to solve for the whole thing at once, but instead just starting somewhere. And then with Barbara, like I love this idea of, you know, something that you seem to do so well naturally with your confidence is like you put yourself out there, you're not afraid to ask, you're not afraid to go for things. But anyone can, li- anyone listening, like you never know what somebody might say. And you don't, that's exactly right. You don't know what opportunity is out there if you don't ever ask. Like, that's exactly you never right. anyone. They'll never know. And so in this case, like it just happened that it was meant to be. And I love yeah. the god. I love that you call them God kisses. That's so great. Like God the winks. Universe, god winks. God yeah. winks. I love that. Yeah. Like the universe is conspiring in your yeah. favor for this. So this is great. All right. So you move back to Atlanta, you get all set, you're gonna start working on turn. And at this time, like they were developing the the area, right? Like the building didn't exist, the facility wasn't there. So, like tell us about that process. Uh, like now you're in it in like a whole new world for you. Tell us about that. Yeah.
1: So thank God for like adrenaline and being a rookie. Because looking back, that was such a hard, hard challenge. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't care who you are, starting a company in a brand new development in a brand new city. And Sandy Springs is trying to prove that they're something now, and the build out. I mean, it's starting from scratch, and so nobody knew term, mm-hmm. much less nobody even knew what City Springs was, which is the development that we're in. And so, you know, there's always pros to being in a brand new place because you're new. You're you can design the build out how you like it, get a lot of publicity and all that good stuff. But at the the biggest challenge is again brand new. Nobody knows who you are, why you are. There's no foot traffic. It was very challenging. You know, and you don't know what you don't know. So I took a lot. I learned a lot from the consultant and her team, but you know, we did make a lot of mistakes and some purchases that were just either unnecessary or looking back. I'm like, I can't wait to make turn two because I can save so much money here or here or whatever. And then not to mention the time, Holy shit! I mean, if you're if you're out there and you've ever like renovated anything of your house, if they tell you one month or one year, just double it and also double the price. Like, so imagine doing. I mean, I quit my job, so I'm making zero money income. I'm living off all of my savings minus what I've initially invested into the company. I have these four investors that are just like now all of a sudden my like ride or dies. Right? Literally, I have no home because I decided to gut. I rented out my home in San Diego. And I rent it. So, when I rent it out to these three guys who just trash the crap out of it. So, I renovate it when I moved back home, which is so I mean, I had to do it, but God, the amount of money I spent on that. So, I'm living with my mom, my brother and sister in law, the beaches, my very good friends. I'm, I'm homeless, right? Until I make them get the upstairs done so that I could have a bedroom and a shower. And while I'm building out Turn Studio, doing something I've never done before, making decisions, just shooting from the hip and my gut and my, I don't know, boss babe moves or whatever you want to call it. I'm like eating salads on the floor at dinner at 10 o'clock after a long days of figuring turnout. I mean, it was the, and it was for one year. It Mm -hmm. was crazy. It was, but I mean, it built, I mean, it's what built Turn and built, I think me at Turn, right? And, And we did a bunch of, um, things to, to promote turn and to market turn. And I built this community before we even opened, which is the best thing I ever did, but it was crazy. Did you ever have moments
0: of like, Oh no, what have I done? This was a huge mistake.
1: Never a huge mistake. Oh no. What have I done with my money? Like, Mm -hmm. because I'm such a money-driven human being, I love money. When you see your bank account go from like extremely this number to this number, it's a mine. F. I mean, it's, you know, cause now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my credit card bill can't be XYZ. It now needs to be this. And, you know, you learn the heart, but that's part of being an entrepreneur. I mean, that is that is what like every single book you read or podcast of a successful entrepreneur, you know, you gotta start somewhere and you gotta suffer for a little while. And if you're not willing to suffer for a little while, then you should not start your own company. I mean, that's just I don't know how else to put it. And that was me suffering for I mean, I still don't make the money I did in medical sales, but I'm so much more fulfilled and I'm rich in like passion and leadership and community. And so it's all great, but yeah, I never, I've never said I regret doing turn ever. I just, I regret not having that commission check.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know it's, it's very hard to let that go because it's, it's quite enticing. Okay. So it sounds like this was a year that Mm -hmm. was going on. So what what was like mid like summertime of 2018 when turn opened August 30th was our soft opening. Okay. Now let
1: me just throw this out there. It was supposed to be January, February, April, May, June, July, August 30th was our soft opening. (laughs) I just want people to realize that there's no such thing as like a picture perfect scenario and you just got to hold on and stay in it. And I had to go to the office, the city Springs office or the city of Sandy Springs and beg them for my certificate of occupancy or, or whatever, because we had a class that night with Sam, my lead instructor. And I didn't have the, I didn't have the right to do it yet. And my contractor went to go get it and they told him no. And so I marched my ass in that office and I stood there for 45 minutes and I begged and begged and pleaded. And finally he signed it for me. And I ran like a little, I'll never forget this. The office is connected just around the corner from turn, right? And I ran waving that piece of paper, like, I got it. We can do it. So, yeah. And it was also my birthday. It was, it was a good day, but yeah, leave it to me to not take no for an answer. And again, to be brave, to go stand up there and be like, I'm doing this right Right. now. Damn it.
0: You ain't stopping me. This is happening. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So then first year that you're open, so August 30th, 2018, and mm-hmm. then, you know, it sounds like you've done a ton of really great promotion ahead of time. So mm-hmm. how did you manage expectations? Because you've just spent this year grinding to get this mm-hmm. up and off the ground. It's finally open. Now you're operating this business. Yeah. How, did, how did you handle that next year? I think I blacked out because I'm trying to think
1: a uh, whole year. I don't even <laughs> remember it, but <laughs> it was a shit show. I mean, it was awesome. It was the best year, but it was also a shit show. And if Sam, you know, my manager, lead instructor were here right now, she would be like, yep. Because we were, I don't really think I had any expectations other than I have to grow every month and I I have to make it right. I have to mm-hmm. succeed so that year two happens And I think I put a lot of credit to myself on my background that I managed the team here so much like a business minded sales team, not sales like membership sales, but sales as in like own your role, your responsibility, you know, give you commission. So if you're motivated by money, you have that piece, but it's a tight ship. I mean, they knew that my expectation and my entire life was on the line with turn, and they felt that because of what we had done the whole previous year, the community, the practicing in my garage, and the dead heat of the summer and bikes in it, the turn it board events, all of those things that we did, they knew that we couldn't fail. My staff is what I'm talking about, and so I think the expectations was just keep growing, just okay. keep growing. You know, and if you have a really good month, you could afford maybe just a mediocre flatline month because. Flatline meaning, you know, you didn't lose enough memberships to to drop or whatever. But that whole first year was just a learning curve. I'd be lying to say I knew what I was doing every day. I mean, we had a plan, but you had to be able to be flexible in the plan because we didn't know what was happening. Right. I'd never done this before. Nobody had ever done this before at Turn Studio in Sandy Springs, Georgia. So that was the best part is learning where we would made mistakes and learning how to turn right or left and correct them and grow and pivot and all that good stuff.
0: Right. Right. Well, and it sounds like you were really good at being very clear with the team at TURN of like the importance of their role, the significance of the work that they were doing, you know, and really connecting them back to the purpose behind mm-hmm. TURN so that they understood mm-hmm. like they weren't just an employee, like they were an integral part of this business. One
1: thousand percent. Every single person that works at TURN, even still today, has just as much of an important role into the growth and the company and the community of turn that I do, if not more, because they're the heart and soul. They are what the front desk is what the clients see every day as you experience the instructors teach more classes, you know, so I put a lot of trust in them, but that's why I hire. I mean, you know, I don't just hire anybody and we read books and sales books and podcasts and have sales meetings and, You know, again, I've been a horrible leader, you know, during some of the things I made some horrible mistakes or I didn't understand conflict management the way I do now, or I thought I, this person should be communicated with this way, but in reality it's this way or whatever, right? Things you learn as a entrepreneur, small business owner has been literally part of just the foundation that has made us so great today.
0: Yeah. Well, and I was going to ask you about that because, you know, very early on in this conversation, you had mentioned, you know, like in your sales career, you'd never really had any interest in managing or right? you, yeah. like it was about like being like, you didn't want to deal with the admin work. You didn't want to deal, you know, with like, you could make more money as a rep than you could as a, yep. as a leader and then, or as a manager, and then you are a leader. So I'm curious that transition for you, because going from somebody that very much like didn't want that responsibility at one point in your career to now, like you are, you're not just overseeing a team of people, but especially in this case, right? Like it's a, I think it's, it's, it's all female instructors. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and your experience too was also in a very male dominated industry, right? So there's all these variables in your leadership now, so love to like just talk a little bit about your experience, you know, as a new people manager mm-hmm. in a space that there's lots of new variables for you.
1: Yes. The hardest thing anybody will ever do is manage people. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are, what business you're owning, as a business owner, that is the most challenging thing. Yeah. And I'm assuming a lot of people are probably nodding their head or agreeing with me if they're listening to this, because there's not a single person out there that understands, wants, believes it, loves it as much as you, as much as you, they might be close, but at the end of the day, you know, you're the one showing up at two o'clock in the morning, if something were to happen, or you're the one fielding all the negative phone calls or negative emails, plus positive, whatever. So transitioning into a leadership role was extremely, I don't want to use the word easy because I don't, I don't think anything is easy, but in this conversation, I'll say easy for me because it's always been within me. I read the books. I listened to the podcast. I realized the type of leader that I wanted to be at turn. Mm. And it was really simple of just hearing their goals and their plans and helping them journey down that path to being the next level in their professional career and the next level in their personal career or personal life. You know, I am really good at motivating and inspiring people and getting like beyond surface level. I'm extremely big on the word vulnerability or being vulnerable. And that's a huge word here at TURN that has impacted our entire mission statement, our entire employee handbook. Because I believe that if we can't be open and honest and dig deep with each other as a, at one point, seven person company to now 16 person company, which is still very, very small, you know, we're never going to get there. We're never going to get big because if we hold everything in and just bitch about each other behind our backs or, like you said, being a female, ran company with female employees, not by choice. It's just how it's happened. Guys have a more easier time. I feel like just like saying how they feel to another guy. Like they don't, they're not worried about hurting your feelings or stepping on your toes or whatever, right? They're just more dominant in that area. So I've really worked hard on building an open ended conversation and candid conversation within my team. And boy, has it paid off. And I believe strongly in this, and it's been a big theme for us this year, is if you respect the company enough and you respect me enough and you respect yourself enough, then you're going to make the right decisions and you're going to have the hard conversations because you respect yourself to be the role you're supposed to be in enough to make you know our little world go around. Being in a male-dominated you know, uh, medical sales career, very different, very, very different. I'm still learning to deal how to deal with women's emotions, all the extremes that that even goes with. But yeah, every day I learn something new about myself in turn and how to be a better leader and how to help people be better at their own purpose as well. So.
0: Yeah, well, and it just seems like you're such a student of things that you don't yet understand. You know, you have you invest time and energy in, in reading books and listening to podcasts and understanding what it takes and creating a vision of what you want it to look like and not just lackadaisically letting it happen, but very intentionally trying to crack a code and figure it yeah. out. And so I think that's really great. And something I wanted to make sure we we touched on Especially given the industry that you're in and even the timing for you is COVID. Mm-hmm. And you know, at this point, you are, you know, halfway through year two when March 17th, the world shuts down. Your business yeah, yeah. is shut down, you have no say in it, like a pandemic has struck and you know, in your world, you can't open your doors. I'm listening to this right and I think anyone listening hopefully now is just sitting here like good grief you are unbelievably resilient and strong because it's like you spent a year getting it open and then you your first year you're getting it sustainable so that you can keep it open in year two and then you're in year two and now you're told you have to shut down like that is Mm -hmm. I mean you've had a bear of a first couple of years but would love, I mean, now that we're, we're starting to come out of it, right. We're kind of get, hopefully getting on the tail end, but like, would love to just hear from your take of like what the experience as a fitness boutique owner has been like for you, which is crazy. That
1: was a year and a half ago, almost that March 17th happened. Well, I guess a little over a year, but today I can confidently say I'm almost, I'm not like glad it happened by any means, but I'm very grateful for the experience that it put me through and turned through because I learned how I already knew turn was an awesome community. I mean, you kind of open the podcast with it. It's just something different. Nobody can touch it or come close to it. I knew that already, but what I really realized is even more how strong and unconditional loving they are to me and the turn staff, because when we were forced to shut our doors you know by the government i didn't automatically freeze or cancel memberships i made the executive decision after sitting on the corner of my couch for 24 hours like almost like frozen i didn't even know i can vividly like remember me sitting on the couch when i was watching the news obsessively like everybody was cuz nobody had a clue what was going on right and being like okay well they're telling me i have to close my doors i run a service based operation here that to be successful as this company, you have to have people coming in the door every single day or week or definitely keeping their monthly memberships. So when I made the decision, I was watching, you know, I got stuck down these tunnels on Instagram, looking up, looking what other business owners were doing. And they were all like, we're freezing your memberships, we're freezing your memberships. And I just, again, like, I'm going to call it a boss bitch move. I executively said, I'm not going to do that. I trust my community. And if they want to cancel or if they want to freeze, by all means, I will do it. But also if they want to come back to a studio within the two weeks, because at that time, you know, it was just a week or two, whatever. So I only had two, maybe three memberships frozen that first two weeks, which just speaks volume about the people of Sandy Springs and turn studio.
0: Well, and Ashley, can you put that in perspective? Like, I mean, I think that, you had a couple hundred memberships, right? I, this this is the crazy part. If, if my investor is listening. So
1: January and February of 2009, wait, 20 um, were kick-ass months for us. We were like about, we were like seeing the green light. We were like, Holy shit, this is our moment. Mm. You know, like our conference calls and our numbers were looking so good. And This was our year that we were finally going to do the damn thing. And then COVID happened and we had almost 200 regular memberships. That doesn't include the packages or the class passers or the singles, right? And for a company that's only been open for a year and a half or so, that was great. And so the longer that COVID, you know, the, the shutdown stayed, we were okay during the shutdown. I kept everybody on payroll, every single person that was on payroll before the shutdown I was fortunate enough to keep them on payroll because of our community. I mean, we worked our asses off on Vimeo or zoom, you know, online classes. I posted a workout every day on Instagram, all body weight. So if you're a personal trainer or a boutique fitness studio owner out there, you're like, Oh my God, I never want to hear a body weight workout again, because that's all we could do, you know, for the mass people. Cause not everybody had a bike at home or not everybody had dumbbells or whatever. I went and bought bands and dropped them in mailboxes to our gold club members just to try to like give them something. But anyway, so the longer as it trickled on, of course, you know, more and more memberships froze or, but we stayed closed for six weeks and that was it. The day the governor said we could reopen, we did without hesitation. Now, was I nervous? Was I scared out of my mind? Yes, because no other studios opened except one that I know of in the state of, you know, in my little Georgia fitness following on Instagram, because either they were scared or not ready yet, or didn't want to have the negative backlash from clients or whatever. But like my personality, I would think it goes hand in hand, right? I could not just watch my studio die. Hmm. If I could effectively and safely and, you know, properly open up my studio to give the people that were willing that were paying an opportunity to come Work out during this horrific time in our lives. And I'm telling you, Margaret, people still might just dis- there might be people all around the world that might disagree with me, but it was the best thing I've ever done. Best decision I ever made. scariest decision I've ever made, more scary than quitting my very successful career because you don't you never know what people are gonna say or think or do. Right. And I got so many positives from that moment. Oh, my God, you've saved my life. Turn Studio saved my life because you opened. And that I can never, I can never pay back. I mean, I can get emotional just thinking about that whole, that first ride back. I mean, the people, they needed us. They needed this.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, COVID still clearly is around and we're still in a pandemic and it's still very, I mean, I've lost a family member that I've personally had a hard time losing because of COVID, but I still will stay, stand strong in the fact that that doesn't mean that a business shouldn't be, have to, End and close down because there's a lot of studios that didn't make it Uh, a big one and some small ones. And so I'm very, very glad in my business decision in that regard.
0: Yeah. Well, and I've often, it's so interesting. It doesn't seem to matter what line of work you were in, or even just, I mean, it didn't even have to be work-related, but like COVID in so many ways just amplified things that were already there. So, if it was, you know, in this case, like there was a fiercely loyal base of mm-hmm. customers that were passionate about TURN. And so, when COVID hit, it just amplified this community that was already mm-hmm. there. And it's a testament to how you'd already started to build it, where, you know, in other cases, it kind of exposed you know, maybe not great practices and and where there were already gaps, it just amplified the gap. So I think it's, again, it's such a beautiful testament to the intentionality and the work. And even thinking back to that notebook of all the things that you loved and didn't love and how mindful you were of creating Mm -hmm. a space that would just wow and delight anyone that would come into it. So, yeah.
1: And, you know, and a lot of it has here. i Spent all this time building a place, you know, that was not intimidating because boutique fitness, whether you want to admit it or not, is a intimidating mindset to a lot of people around the country, whatever. And I, I worked very hard on making this a non-intimidating space where it was your home away from home, where if you're having a bad day, if you're going through some shit in your life, or if you're the app, like the, the diehard athlete that just wants a really gruesome workout for 45 minutes we could check the box for all that and during the most horrific time of our lives that i can speak about as a 36 year old emotionally mentally and physically needing a space more than ever i didn't even blink twice about like not giving that to the people that is what we're built on and that is what all my emails texts and dms and phone calls scream like you know the amount of testimonials that we get about this space that we've provided And I say we, because it is not just me. It is my entire team, front desks, instructors, everybody that allow these people to have a space and breathe again for 45 minutes or let go of shit from work, from life, from their husband, their wife, their children, whatever it may be, right? And so in a time where we needed it the most, of course, I was going to do everything I could to provide it. And again, the best decision... And then everything just obviously built up from there. I mean, it was a very hard summer in general. COVID, racial injustice, all all of the things that we have gone through. I really grew as a leader and learned that my my voice is meant to be for some things and not meant to be in some things as a small business owner as well. So again, I'm not glad that the shutdown of the pandemic has happened, but I'm very grateful for everything that I've learned and taken away from it.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's so much here. I, mean, I think that's the beauty of these. These are, there's always so much to go through, uh, that I always find myself struggling to end them. There's one thing I did want to call out that I think is really cool is that you mentioned when you started it, there were so many lessons that you learned and you've been now been able to be really successful. So, you just launched turn ed and it was really cool because you've actually now had your first client that has come and gone through this, essentially taking everything that you've learned and how you've built turn and then offering that to other boutique fitness owners so that they can replicate this type of experience in their communities. And I think that's so cool that you are now. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Yeah. It It's been, I mean, again, I didn't start turn to be like a fitness instructor. I started turn as an entrepreneur and business consultant and turn ed is the product of three years of learning and experience and combining what, you know, my previous sales career had taught me plus the addition of turn and the first turn ed went, I couldn't have gone better. It's amazing what people don't know that start a company and it made me realize just how strong i am as a business owner and business leader. It made me incredibly proud of sam and my team and everything that we have done. So turn it is is really for anybody who's starting who, wanted, who is wanting to start their own studio or company or maybe has a studio now that is either underperforming or simply not growing or they're struggling with instructors or the business piece of it. So there's kind of like two chapters to it, but it yeah, it's it's a very happy product and most proud of product that I've put together, you know, since I started TURN. So really excited to see where it goes all around the world, hopefully. And we'll, we'll help create the TURN experience, um, like you said, in other communities, so.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, kind of closing question for you that I always yep. love asking is you have such a rich experience. Uh, so if there was either a piece of advice that has served you really well in your career, or there's something that, you know, now that, you know, like you've learned over time that you think would be really beneficial. If you were going to tell somebody maybe starting out or early on either one, one thing you want to make sure people walk away knowing from you, what would that be?
1: I would say, so my motto here at turn is stay gold, right? And stay gold means to stand out rather than to fit in. And what that means to anybody listening believe in yourself first. Quit listening to the judgment or the inspirations of social media or outside voices and the fear and the insecurities that that can bring. Because if you fill your mind with all of that, you're going to forget why you started or why you're doing what you're doing. And you are the reason why you are waking up in the morning and you know whether it's working on a project for another company that you work for or starting your own career or growing your own company you have to remember that you have to believe in yourself first which is stay old to me right stand out rather than fit in if i could scream that from every freaking mountaintop i w- and i say that i know we got to go but our world today sucks when it comes to social media and the influences and the the web that you can get caught up in going down the rabbit hole of Thinking you should do what he or she does because it looks pretty on Instagram to them, or they make it look so successful and flashy and it's all bullshit, right? Like if you believe in your core values and the, you believe in why you're doing what, what you're doing from the very grassroots of it all, you'll be
0: okay. That's beautiful. And it's so great. <laughs> and, and I, and I love, and I love this thing. I think that's a really easy way for somebody to really kind of have almost a mantra to hold on to, you know, to think about yes. as needed. need it. So yeah, oh, Ashley, this has just been such a treat to have you yeah, on. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I, and my hope is with these podcasts that I get to do kind of like a check back in with them, you know, in the future. Cause I, I feel like we are just on the precipice of what will be incredible things for you in turn. Well, thank you so much. And it was great having you in my class the other I Friday
1: know. morning.
0: Yeah, I, I will say this. If you're in Atlanta, you have to go to turn. I got to go to the VIP class on Friday mornings with <laughs> Ashley. And I'm telling you what it is. It's just such an incredible experience. And I had so much fun. And I think what I will say this, having gone to so many fitness classes and having taught fitness classes, this was a 5.45 a.m. class on a Friday and over 30 bikes, there was not one empty bike, not one. That's yeah, fun. I it's mean, a party. If you've ever gone to a fitness class, you know how unusual that is at the end of the week, at 5.45 AM that there is a packed house. So anyways, yeah. I uh, thank you so much for being on. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate Great. you asking me and, and uh, our time together. Awesome. This one was extra special. I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I'm a member at Turn Studio, and it has truly lived up to the way that Ashley has described it. I've been blown away by the community there. If you are in the Atlanta area and you want to check out Turn, I've put information and episode notes for you. And if you want to connect with Ashley, feel free to reach out to her on LinkedIn, or you can reach out to her via the Turn website, which I've also linked both of those for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, you know what I'm going to ask, leave us a review, mark some stars for us. Just let us know the impact that it's having. I am so grateful as always to have you here, to have you part of this community. And by sharing these stories, excited that we will all collectively continue to rise until next time.